Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. Well, we're in the midst of a great reset of a lot of things, but at the top of the list really is the office, or maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part. The fact is, though, that the notion of going to an office to work is something that's been sort of rigid, maybe stale for a century now, both in terms of having to go there, but also in terms of how an office looks and how it's set up. So now that we're going through this experiment of working from home, it might be a good opportunity to rethink some of the norms. Now, this is especially true since it seems that people are headed back to the office. J.P. Morgan just ordered its trading floor back to work, saying they're not able to be as productive at home. And the CEO of Netflix quoted as saying he does not see any advantage to having a remote workforce. He's not sending people back yet, but he'd like to as soon as he can. So if some leaders are ready to bring people back, are offices ready for people and ready to keep them safe? Well, our guest today is Maciej Markowski. He's an expert in workplace strategy, co-founder and CRO of SpaceOS, that's a prop tech startup, and he has some really great thoughts on safety, but also what offices should look like for productivity and efficiency, and why, at this point, they're not really primed for those things. So stay with us. It is a really interesting discussion. Well, it's September 2020, six months after people were first sent home from offices en masse, and we are now kind of at a turning point. J.P. Morgan, the giant investment bank, last week ordered some of their workers back to the office unless they had specific conflicts, and others are probably not far behind. But is it safe? Will workers feel like it's safe? And is the office as it exists even a productive place for workers to get things done? Well, my guest today is Mathieu Markowski. He's the co-founder and CRO of Space OS. That's a prop tech startup offering an end-to-end workspace operating system that's been used in 17 countries. He's also a veteran of the workplace strategy field, and he joins us now. Good morning. Uh, good morning. It's a great pleasure to to be here. Thank you for having me. Where are you speaking to us from? Uh, actually, Warsaw, Poland, today. Okay, Warsaw, Poland. So you're in the middle of the day there. Let's start. This is a work and work lives podcast. I like to ask people how they got to where they are now. now your career path that makes you an expert in workplace strategy. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I, I studied sociology because I was always very interested how. Uh, people collaborate, how they act in groups. Uh, then I co-founded uh, an office design magazine. And <laughs> from that, I went to work in HR. I worked for Coca-Cola. I worked for Danon. Uh, and after a while, I think I realized that actually space and technology are the best ways to improve how we work, how effective we are uh, at office. And um, yeah, and I started working for the for the big real estate agencies and their workplace strategy uh, practices. So I worked for CBRE and JLL in London, and then I was a partner at Cushman Wakefield, uh, heading the workplace strategy team uh, for Central Eastern Europe. Um, and yeah, that's that's where the idea that actually people need a remote control for. The workplace and kind of a workplace experience platform uh, came came to me and came to uh, founder of SpaceOS, Mari. 
So let's talk about offices. You did a TED Talk on the subject. I watched it. And you're quite dismissive of how they generally look. In your words, they're generally like the factory floor. And what do you mean by that? Well, <laughs> there are great offices and workplaces out there. Don't, don't get me wrong. But uh, quite a few of them are still... Um, designed in a way that was needed 100 years ago, right? So when in the past we were coming to the office, it was uh, to be supervised, to have access to the archives. Uh, and uh, also that's because that's where the best technology was. So you would actually have to sit, go there, sit by a desk, uh, because that was the only way you could do your work. Uh, but that, of course, changed massively. You can work from anywhere today. I mean, if anyone had any doubts, I think the, the COVID pandemic uh, proved that it's possible. So office, good offices today actually enable us to collaborate better, to exchange knowledge, to be more innovative, and if we need to, to also be able to, to, to focus. While I think this Dilbert-like uh, offices, you know, give us very little of that. They, they only provide a space where you are often disturbed, and you cannot do any of the key tasks very, very well. They weren't designed to be like that, right? These action offices were designed in the 1950s, and they were meant to you know, give people space to do things efficiently. And you're right, they did end up being the Dilbert cubicles. Well, actually, it's, action office is a very interesting topic, because I think the designer of it, he really wanted to empower people, to give them that yeah. little private space. The problem is, I think it was actually an accounting issue, uh, that you were able uh, to, uh, I think you were, I, I don't know the exact, I don't remember the exact uh, accounting rule, but effectively it was very cost-effective to put them and then to um, take them out of the out of tax. tax. And that because of that, companies really started investing into it, and I think they took it way farther than the design ever imagined. Yeah, I understand the original designer wasn't happy how it ended up looking. You know, now we have this extra issue. We have safety. We used to worry about efficiency, but now we actually have to mm -hmm. keep people safe. Do you think we're at a point where we can say, yeah, come back to the office. It is safe. Well, it really depends where, where you live. I think that's a short answer. In many, many places, you know, the office is not even half the issue. I think it's very hard to get uh, to, to an office. I mean, that's why, for instance, Bloomberg in London is paying for uh, transport for, for their employees. In places like, if you want to get to Manhattan, if you want to get to London City, uh, it's, it's very, very hard to do it safely, right? You, you could cycle, you could take a car, but it's impossible for everyone to get there this way. Probably subway or, or buses are, are the only way uh, to, to make it there. And I think that's that's the biggest issue in, in some of the world's biggest uh, metropolis. Uh, when it comes to offices, again, it there's so much that can be done with, with technology, with space arrangement. So you can make entrance contactless, you can actually stagger arrivals, you can make people book workstations and you can set a limit on how many people can can show up. I mean, that's a lot of things we offer on our SpaceOS platform, uh, but it's it's not very easy to bring everyone back to the office. I don't think today it, it's possible. We would need to have way more uh, office real estate, and the trend is actually opposite, right? I, th I think what we would ideally we would enable people 
to show up in the office when they need to, when they really need to collaborate with somebody, manage uh, them being there and, and, and being able to know when they can show up. And then there is a way to keep them reasonably safe. But I mean, there's a whole list of things, right? From HVAC that would really need to be hospital grade to, to, to make everyone fully uh, safe in offices to uh, just uh, the cleaning routines and, and all of that. So I, I think it's very we can do a lot to make people much, much safer than in a regular office. I, I don't think there is a way to make everyone super, super safe. And interesting thing also, if we look at statistics on how flu flu spread in the past, it, there's a lot of research showing that around 16% of infections actually happen at the office. But most of the infections we get are elsewhere. It's interesting because I talked to a guest a few episodes ago and he said he used to, he manages a company. He says he used to call it the daycare center because so many of his employees were getting sick and making each other sick. And even like three years ago before the pandemic, he wanted them to wear masks and he was talked out of that. But he said, you know, it's obvious this is making them sick being here. Uh, so maybe this is just overdue. It's it's interesting, right? Because, I mean, there are a lot of things that are actually showing up in the office improved. Just this kind of uh, constructive eavesdropping. So somebody's discuss discussing something and you're like, oh, I actually have information on that topic. I can help you. Or, or you just kind of know what's happening. I think there are a lot of tools like Slack, for instance, that help this uh, knowledge spreading, uh, which is actually something that, for instance, Zoom calls don't provide, right? We, right. Uh, we, we don't overhear these conversations that we used to be overhearing. Uh, but, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a whole sick building syndrome where, where HVAC doesn't perform. You, can, you have tremendous amount of people getting sick. So I think the upside, if we can talk about upside of the epidemic, is, is twofold. One, people will start really taking care of the quality of air and, uh, and and cleaning routines in office buildings, which will continue bringing benefits because we will get sick less often. COVID is not the only virus. Uh, and so secondly, I think this kind of a hybrid model where you sometimes work from home, sometimes you work from the office, and sometimes you just work from anywhere. I think it will really empower us to, to lead better lives and will also help us collaborate better. And offices will finally be designed for uh, collaboration and not just uh, for, you know, the default is you sit at the desk, whether it's the best place for you or not. Well, let's talk about some of the companies that are starting to get things right. Do you see examples of initiatives you like? Um. I'll, I'll start answering your question a little bit further from the office, actually from office building. And, I, and then I'll start uh, maybe answering your question in, in, in more uh, detail because it's, it's, a very good, it's a very good question. I think there are a lot of asset managers out there that are taking very, very good steps to make sure access is contactless, that people are able to, to get their lunch without uh, waiting in line uh, Ima Finance is a very good example in Europe, uh, for instance. In the US, we're now uh, working with Sage Realty, and, and they take tremendous precautions on, on, on anything from entrance to guest registration to, uh, to anything else in their, uh, in their buildings. Uh, then I think that, interestingly, there are a lot of companies 
that have been working either rem completely remotely or partially remotely for, for a very, very long time. Uh, WordPress is a good example, GitHub, uh, that really have most of the workers working from anywhere they want. And there are plenty of huge corporates that enabled this activity-based working and, and working from at least two, three days uh, anywhere you want. Cisco would be, would be a good example. Uh, I see a lot of companies, including PwC, Goldman Sachs, uh, enabling desk booking, uh, and for that, managing how many people can can show up. Twitter, Facebook, they of course uh, gave a lot of freedom to their employees where they want to work from. So I th there are a lot of people out there doing good things. <laughs> where, where I sometimes get worried is whether I see that people trying to to, to give some incentive to to bring people back to the office. Uh, as a kind of like back to normal. I, I think the back to no normal is almost a harmful phrase because, you know, normal is never normal. There's always a better way to do, uh, to do things. So um, I, I'm actually quite excited to see how we will see more activity-based working, more uh, smarter office design and much larger penetration of technology in, in workspaces. I don't know how well I answered your question. <laughs> no, you give some examples. That's interesting. What about the one you, you mentioned, desk booking? I feel like this is an imperfect system because I hear so many people say, you know what, it just stresses me out. I have to get up early to try and book a desk. I preferred oh, no, no. having so, uh, a little bit of my space, you know? No, no. So, okay. So, you know, there, there are a couple of ways to, uh, to look at it. So, number one, there are quite a few. So, let, let, let's take a step to before pandemic for a moment. There's been plenty companies introducing activity-based working, which effectively means you probably have a little bit less desks uh, than employees. And people, it's very basically first come, first serves. But there is always a place for everyone to sit. And there's always somebody sick. There's always somebody on vacation. There's always somebody on client side. So you actually do an analysis and you arrive at the optimal number of desks. And through the fact that people can sit anywhere they want, uh, they can actually work with the people they need to work with on any given day. That, of course, became much more complicated with uh, the pandemic because, number one, you need to know if you can even show up at the office because there is maybe a strict limit on how many people can work from that office safely. Probably a lot of desks have a big cross on them saying, don't sit here, we need extra space. And I actually, desk booking became important. But of course, it shouldn't be a race in the morning. That's horrible. You should be able to, maybe there is a limit on how often you can come to the office. That's easily set with technology. And then you can book a couple of days in advance. And ideally, you can check on any given day who is going to be in the office, or you can even invite somebody to show up. Because something that if you don't do desk booking, two things will happen, right? Number one, uh, people will be coming at the office only to realize there's nobody there <laughs> sometimes, right? So that's not ideal. It's like, okay, I am sick of sitting at home and now I come to the office and now I'm, I'm almost the only person there. That doesn't help. Or even worse, I make my way to the office only to realize all because so many desks have been removed from circulation that there's nowhere for me to sit and I need to go back home, which is horrible, right? I wasted time on commute. I probably, the commute wasn't the safest, etc., etc. So if I can book it and I can plan my week, 
then actually it removes a lot of that stress. So I would say it's exactly opposite. Like I am coming to the office because I know there is a space waiting for me. I know the people that need to be there will be there. And I think that's the optimal uh, solution. Yeah, we have to get there. I'm not sure everybody's there yet. You mentioned companies giving incentives to come back to work. What are you referring to? Just, you know, we'll give you free meals or I, bonus? I, yeah, there, there's, there's quite a lot of that. So either free meals or I think actually free transport is, is pretty smart. Oh, bonuses, exactly. I think free transport is actually hitting at the root of the problem because if I'm afraid of public transport, uh, then free transport, so a taxi getting me to the office, is solving that or extra parking spaces, right? Like, oh, I can actually drive my own car, so I'm really nobody's <laughs> nobody's coughing at me. Uh, while giving free meals or, or bonuses, it's it's not really helping because we need to remove the fear. We need to make the office safer and also make it seen as safer. I think this kind of positive incentives are completely missing the point. I mean, it's nice. Maybe, maybe if uh, I'm really um, cost conscious, then oh, okay, so they will pay me more. That's great. Maybe I need that extra money, uh, or or I have a free meal. But I think for most people, um, they would need to be paid much, much more to come to an environment that isn't safe. Absolutely. And I don't, and I don't think many corporates are ready to force people to come back. Because that's just a lawsuit waiting to happen if somebody gets sick. And I mean, it would be also horrible. It would be, but I, I can see some impatience. I mean, I mentioned JP Morgan. They've asked their trading floor, at least, to come back to work. And other financial firms seem pretty close. Uh, Netflix CEO has said he doesn't see any advantages to people working at home. He would like them back as soon as it's safe. So you know, I, I think we'll see a little bit of at least a tryout of this the next few months. I, I wouldn't throw everyone to the same basket because I think it's very un unfair. If you have a trading floor, if, if you ever visited one and, and actually helping this one, uh, design one for, for ING Bank once quite a long time ago was some, some of the most fun I ever had, trying to analyze how people collaborate and real-time exchange information. And, and it, it's fascinating. So I, actually, I, I think... Traders are an example of people who are more effective if they are allowed onto the trading floor for a variety of reasons, right? So there are people where, sorry, you, you will just do a much better job if you're in the office. But for majority of us, and I think we're speaking 70, 75% of knowledge workers, doesn't make such a huge difference. I, I think also it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a huge difference whether the CEO is an extrovert or an introvert where they really see uh, and, and the, the habits they have, right? If I'm somebody who understands what's happening in the office from speaking with everyone, uh, then of course I'm missing it. If I'm somebody who rather goes to Slack, then I'm like, well, you know what? It's not a problem. Like to, to give you an example of Space OS, we have a team in New York, London, France, Ber uh, Germany, Poland, Ukraine, and Belarus. So we have 30 people across uh, I don't even count, what, seven countries, right? So we're really, really used to this kind of distributed uh, working. Uh, but when we started, and most of the people were in, in Ireland and in Poland, uh, it, it was a very, very different case. And, and I think we would struggle much more had we not be 
uh, more distributed then. So different, <laughs> different challenges, different habits, and different level of need of actually being in the office. For sure. Let's change tack here a little bit. Let's talk about offices and their role. It used to be that if you had built a big workspace or factory, you talked about it being part of the community, but it seems to have changed a little bit. People have criticized tech companies for kind of being standalone. They have their own cafeterias. People don't even leave the space to go out of there. Do you see it evolving? Do you think there is a role for offices to be part of a community? Huh. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, you know, this whole co-working or space-as-a-service revolution is kind of trying to do that, right? Don't isolate your, yourself. I, I wouldn't be so quick to, to uh, criticize tech companies. I mean, they really depend on people collaborating, exchanging ideas, and they just wanted to... And, and you know, it's also extremely competitive if you want to get good tech talent on board. So these companies, obviously tried their best to create best possible uh, workplaces. And I think that's why so many companies try to copy Google, for instance. By the way, copying what our company is doing (laughs) is not the best idea because your culture and your work processes and everything you do is so different from somebody else that if you try to copy Google Office, you'll probably end up with an office that is completely not matching what uh, what you need. It's it's interesting because I think we we speak about different phases, right? In the past, is you need to come to the office to do your work. That that's gone, and now you come to the office because maybe that's a better place to collaborate. You fulfilled your social needs. You built trust faster. So the purpose of the office changed. I think once this becomes a common knowledge, then I think we will start thinking, oh, okay, maybe we can actually open it a little bit more. But then, of course, it's, it is tricky for compliance issues, legal issues. There are a lot of things that, that you actually need to keep, keep within your own company. That, that, that alone is a topic we could speak for, for hours about. <laughs> now, we're at this turning point here. Let's talk about the environment, because if we're talking about a reset of everything, it's probably not a bad point to bring up. Are offices contributing to climate issues or are there things we can improve if we're rethinking them? Of course. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, the the most green building is the one that isn't built. So so if offices in in many, many ways contribute to to climate change and in, in general are not great for the environment. So number one, uh, I suddenly need two spaces, right? So I spent tw- 12 hours of my life at home, I don't know, eight or 10 hours of my life in the office and two hours somewhere in between. Uh, if I work at home, then I need one space. Maybe it's a little bit larger, but, but still. Uh, so that, that's, that's one uh, thing you can consider. And if we decrease the office footprint slightly, probably not massively, uh, and, and allow people to work from home a little bit more or work from anywhere, that's probably not a bad thing for the environment. That's number one. Number two, every time you commute, and the longer the commute is, you know, the worse, that, that's not great for the environment either. So uh, if I'm traveling by car, if I take a tube, if I take a train, it's, I'm obviously contributing to, to, uh, to the CO2 emissions. I think another... <laughs> area where 
in some weird way this pandemic is 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 improving sustainability is in the past i mean i was in consulting so i don't want to remember how many times i would fly across the continent for for a uh, for an hour meeting hour and a half meeting i would always try to meet couple people but it's not uncommon with particularly some more old school executives that they would yeah we need to come we will speak for 60 minutes and you can fly back right that's thankfully a lot of those are now moving to to zoom to webex uh, to microsoft teams so i think that that alone will will really help because of course air travel is is one of the worst things for for the planet even though i enjoy traveling of course yeah, we all do. But so if we were redesigning offices, what would you like to see? I mean, in all regards, but particularly in terms of the environment, because we're not going to get rid of them altogether. Mm-hmm. Well, I, f- I probably think that there are a couple colliding forces, right? Because if we spoke a year and a half ago, I would tell you, I want to, to see the offices fully utilized, right? So I, if we, on average, have 50%, 60% of people in the office. Let's make sure there's plenty of space for collaboration, plenty of space for focused work. Uh, let's have technolo- technology o- orchestrating it. And you don't need as much office space. People are closer to one another. It's great because people are more creative. We use less space. It's more effective. It's more cost efficient. Nothing but gain. Of course, today, it's not so safe to have everyone so close to to one another. So I I think probably we, we need offices that make sure there are safe distances where, wherever people sit. Uh, and probably they need to be repurposed more towards meeting, more towards collaboration. Uh, because the, the this kind of a def- routine default, right, where you get up in the morning and you come to the office no matter what, I think at least for a while this, this is gone. Okay, so this is all a challenge to landlords, is it not? Because we're talking about needing specially designed spaces and a lot of changes to the norm. And that's not really been the model. It's more about build, lease, and just do that again. How do you think this is going to play out? I I think it's a huge change. And I I think, um, just very honestly, I think there will be big winners and losers of, of this because... If you have a building that is considered unsafe, and if you don't provide the technology, if you don't provide the services that make it safer and make it perceived safe, I I think you will really struggle to keep your tenants because your tenants will struggle to keep their employees. And and I think it's it's a big thing. I think it will be a big issue for, for a lot of landlords. I am not that concerned about the office footprint. I mean, we have more and more knowledge workers every uh, every year. Uh, so I think the offices will be repurposed. I think the office footprint will decrease, but maybe not as dramatically as some people think. But I do think uh, there will be a huge, dif- there will be buildings that will be really filled because people will be like, okay, this is safe. I, I know when I can come. I, I know that I don't have to touch too many things. There is a safe way for me to get my lunch, et cetera, et cetera. And then there will be buildings where, you know, maybe HVAC isn't great. Maybe there's no technology in place. And it will be just very, very hard for them to, to be filled. And 
a lot of things can happen, right? And I, I it's, it's almost like looking into a glass bowl where uh, the location of the building, uh, maybe that will decrease in importance uh, because people will want to work closer to, to home so they don't have to commute. Uh, you, you can imagine a lot of things becoming much more important factors. Uh, a lot of things are really difficult, and I haven't even touched on that. If you, if you have a skyscraper, say, 40, 50 floors, and you have a couple elevators operating it, it's almost impossible to fill it if you only put people in twos into those elevators, right? It would literally take hours to, to fill those buildings. So the, the, the list of issues that landlords will face is pretty, pretty long. And I, and I, think, I think they just need to, I, I don't think they need to step in and do the job for the, of the occupiers fully for them, but I think they just need to give them give their occupiers some tools, their tenants some tools to to manage their spaces better and and make it possible to you know contactless manage density and and improve communication with with tenants because typically that was almost non-existent. It'll be interesting to see what everything looks like post pandemic a few years out. Mache, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I apologize, I was rambling a little bit, but it's it's a very very complex topic, and it's I, I don't like to give very straight answers where I think it's actually hard to tell which way something will, will go. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Matthew Markowski is the co-founder and CRO of Space OS. Well, that's it today. If you did find Maché's thoughts interesting, please check out our show notes. You'll find some links to some of the things he's written and his TED Talk. And as well, you can take a look at other episodes and see if there's other things that interest you in terms of work, the workplace, all the issues we're discussing. If you do find this worth talking about, please take a moment, leave a review or a rebate rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Really help get more people into the discussion, help people find us. If you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at, at RelentlessEco, and of course you can send us an email. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.